Well, today on the show, we have a real special treat because joining me in the studio are my good friends, Bo and KD. You grew up in the church. You realized there were some things that were not right. And eventually, after many years, you finally took the huge step of leaving the Mormon church. Now you guys go to a Christian church, an evangelical church. I want, I want you to tell this whole story. But before we even get into this, who do you want to speak to for the next 45 minutes as you tell your story, because I think there are people out there listening to this that need to know your heart. Brian, what I would say is I think uh, there's a lot of people that are questioning their faith, and just just like I was, and I just want people to know that you can stop, you know, believing in the Mormon Church or in Joseph Smith or, or whatever it is, and and still find Jesus in in, in in a beautiful way. So so I think. I think that's who I want to speak to today is, is people that, uh, that, that are questioning, that are doubting, and, and I want them to know that you don't have to abandon everything. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what it comes down to is an, a relationship mm-hmm. with God, and you can, ha- you can deepen your relationship with God. And, uh, and unfortunately, so many people, um, w- whether it's that they feel lied to or betrayed or whatever, for, for whatever reason, they, they almost go on this like, path of revulsion, right, from, mm-hmm. from any sort of uh, religion, and they forget how beautiful Christianity is and, and, and um, that you can be in relationship with God and, and, and should be. And KD, for you, again, we'll get back, we're, we're going to backfill this story, but f- for you, maybe just speak to some of the wives or moms or women out there, because it's, it's scary to think about leaving the Mormon church, isn't it? When you leave, it can be hard. And as a mom and as a woman, it was so scary to look down that path and think, how, how will my kids be treated? Like, will they be, will they keep their friends? Will their friends, you know, will their friends' parents sort of, you know, shun them? And, uh, and for us too, our friends. And I just, you know, that our experience has been that that's okay because God loves us and loves my kids and he truly wants us to be happy and he's provided such peace. How did you get to that how did how how did you get to that point to finally pull the trigger and was it worth it? So let's jump to the end again, Bo. Was it worth it? Would you, what would you say? Yeah, Brian, it thousand percent worth it. I, I think Anytime you can deepen your relationship with Jesus, it's a, of, of course going to be worth it. I, I think if you were to ask me eight years ago, I'd be the guy saying, uh, "What in the world are you guys doing?" Right? Um, and I'd be the one that was that was unfortunately probably judging people for, you know, for leaving the the Mormon Church. But uh, but yeah, thousand percent worth it to follow Jesus. Speaking of judging people, I'm sure some people are listening to this right now saying, "Okay, well, you two were certainly like." Um, Jack Mormons, right? <laughs> so is that was that the case? Is you were just kind of you went here and there. You're just cultural Mormons, but you weren't really into Mormonism. <laughs> why don't Why don't we Why don't we answer that question, Bo, with your story and your upbringing? The short answer, by the way, to people wondering is no, absolutely <laughs> not. Your story yeah, is amazing to me, Bo, and so yeah. I want people to hear your story so they have context for what we're dealing with here because you were the furthest thing from a Jack Mormon. Yeah, I, uh, man, it was all in, right? I, I think um, growing up in the church, uh, 
can be a, a pretty awesome experience. It can be um, a an unfortunate experience for some. It de- kind of depends. But for me, um, I had amazing parents, uh, incredible parents. They're they're some of the best people on this planet. I swear. Um, and thanks to my parents, I, I was brought up. Um, I was brought up religious. I was brought up believing in. Um, in Jesus, believing in prophets, believing in modern-day prophets, believing in the Bible as well as the Book of Mormon, right, um, and, and other scripture. So, so for me, uh, prayer, regular prayer, regular scripture study was, was, that was one of the basics. That's, you did that every day, and you prayed as a family, you prayed uh, on your own personal time, and you read the scriptures together as a family as well as uh, on your own. So that's that was my upbringing, um, and I was all about it. Um, I loved it. I loved every bit of uh, yeah of, of growing up Mormon. Um, I, I, maybe I was a bit enthusiastic, a little too enthusiastic about it at times, right? Maybe I was a bit judgmental of mm. people that weren't, maybe. But uh, but for me. Yeah, growing up, um, Mormon was, I mean, it was in Utah, so it was easy. Everybody else was too, but for me, I was, yeah, I was all in. So we recently on this podcast, we talked about why Mormons don't drink coffee. So let's just get real practical here. <laughs> Bo, did you drink coffee? Did you, were, you one of those, were you one of those Mormons that kind of bent the rules and drank coffee or beer or, <laughs> you know, that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, not, not once in my life, actually. Yeah. So, so yeah, look, the, which you're referencing the word of wisdom, right? And the word of wisdom is, um, a, essentially a health code, right? That, uh, that Mormons believe was revealed to the prophet Joseph Smith, right? And, and Joseph, um, basically wrote down a list of do's and don'ts of things that'll help you live a healthy life. And, uh, for whatever reason, in modern day Mormon culture, the, the don'ts are what are emphasized, mm. like the coffee, the tea, the alcohol, tobacco, um, which I'd never touched my whole life. Um, but there's there's plenty of do's in there that I think a lot of people gloss over, like mm-hmm. eating meat sparingly, for example, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But so both of you really were rule following Mormons. And again, I want people to hear that. We're, we're not trying to... I, I think Jack Mormons can learn a lot from this as well. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you are and you do drink coffee, or, or you would call yourself a Jack Mormon, keep listening because this story really is inspiring. But I wanted people to have context that you, both of you, and, and Katie, your story is pretty similar. Like, you were a good Mormon girl. You were all in. Now, obviously, the end of this story is that you're not all in anymore, and we want to talk about how you guys got there. And we want to inspire people who might be wondering the same thing, might be thinking the same thing. But, but let's back up because there's even more to your story, Bo, because you, if you're all in as a Mormon young man, what do you do once you graduate yeah, high school? you go on a mission, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was my life goal, right? Like I, um, growing up, I had two goals. One was to, uh, to go on a mission. The other was to, uh, to play football. In the NFL, right? It was going to be the next Jerry Rice. Wow, you checked you checked off on one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so uh, my my entire upbringing, uh, every every journal entry, um, 
uh, every prayer, every time I sat down to study my scriptures, it was with the intent and purpose of, you know, how do I teach this to somebody else um, in the mission field? So, uh, so yeah, we fast forward kind of through, you know, going to seminary in my youth uh, in high school was obviously all about missionary preparation, took mission prep classes, and then ultimately got my call to, to serve a mission, right? And was elated. I was so excited to to go serve a mission. So I did. So I uh, and I was a hardworking missionary. Mm. I loved it. Right. Um, I loved tracting. Uh, I loved telling people about uh, the Book of Mormon. Loved telling people about um, you know baptism and and ultimately just had a had a great experience on my mission and, and, and such a great experience that uh, I didn't want it to end. Right. And, and for, I guess, for listeners that, that don't know, right, uh, for, for a young man in the, in the Mormon church to go on a mission, you're, you're there for two years. And in my day, back in my day, <laughs> uh, you, you couldn't call home, right? You, you could only call home twice a year. And uh, the rest of the time it was, I mean, it was just letters. So you were 100% dedicated to the work. And uh, so when you get back... It's a little different, right? When, when you get back, all of a sudden you have to focus on yourself. You have to focus on college. You got to figure out what you're going to do. And so for me, um, I I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I, I I wanted to keep teaching, right? I wanted to keep teaching Mormonism. So so for me, it turned into, um, you know, I was going to college and uh, getting a, a secular degree, but I also decided to. Um, to go get a religious certification from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and try to become a seminary teacher for, for high school students. Okay, so you have to explain this because we haven't covered this yet on this podcast. We, we need to do a whole episode on this, but give us the little like three-minute version. What is a seminary teacher? What does that mean? Because a lot of people, if you're not Mormon, certainly especially in Utah, because it's definitely a thing in Utah. I think it's a thing everywhere in Mormonism, but especially yeah. in Utah. What is yeah. a seminary teacher? What does that mean? Yeah, so seminary obviously is a different word in, yeah, in Mormonism than in uh, Christianity, but, but for a seminary teacher is someone that uh, teaches the, the youth of the church um, through coursework, right? So, I mean, essentially it's students in Utah— uh, and in you know Arizona, Idaho, other areas, but but especially in Utah, um, there's a, a free period during the day uh, in in high school, and so Mormon students during that free period walk across the street to the seminary building, and they'll take you know seminary classes from uh, from those full time seminary teachers, and what they'll study in those classes is uh, is the scriptures. So for Mormons, Mormons, and you've probably covered this on a previous episode of, of this podcast, but Mormons believe in uh, the Bible, right? Um, as far as is translated correctly mm-hmm. is, is how they would define it, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in Mormonism, they believe the King James Version of the Bible to be the version that's uh, close enough to correct, right? So we would teach out of the King James Version of the Bible. We would teach the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then we would teach the Book of Mormon, as well as uh, revelations given to the prophet Joseph Smith and a few other prophets in what's called the Doctrine and Covenants, as well as the, the Pearl of Great Price. So, and it would rotate. That's my yep. understanding, is one, one year you would teach Old Testament, one year you would teach New Testament, one year you would teach Book of Mormon, and then one year you would che- teach the other two. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so when you started, what... 
where were you in the rotation in the teaching? Yeah, so we were we were teaching the the Bible. Yeah, we were teaching the Old Testament and then the New Testament, and then we got into Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah. Okay. By the way, I have to say this. So how many how many days a week would students come over to seminary during that free period? So, I mean, I was teaching full-time. I was teaching eight hours a day, yeah. right? five days a week, yeah. Uh, for, for high school students in Utah, there's an A period and a B, or there's an A day and a B day, and you would have different periods. So you would come every other day to, to seminary class as a high school student, yeah. Yeah, I just want our, our listeners to hear that. That's co- when we first moved to Utah, Bo, this was, we, we had a hard time wrapping our mind around this. You grew up with this. You grew up going to seminary. Totally. Right? And then yeah. you became a seminary teacher. It is, there's nothing like it in America. There really isn't. It's not, you, at first, the way I try to explain seminary teachers to my Christian friends, I said it's like a youth pastor, but it's way more than a youth pastor because yeah. you're around those kids more than a youth pastor is. A youth pastor's around their kids on Wednesday night for youth group, maybe right. on Sunday mornings. You're around those kids during the weekday. Like the the influence that you have on those kids is unbelievable, right? It is. Yeah, it's it's you have a big influence, right? And and which is why, you know, that the church is very specific about who they hire. It it actually was a, a pretty intense two uh, almost two year process to to even get hired to become right a, a seminary teacher. There was a series of classes, coursework, student teaching um, to make it through. I think, God, I think my hiring group. I think it was like a six percent hire rate that year. Mm. So a lot of people trying to become seminary teachers, but but it's a pretty small amount that actually, yeah. Get yeah. Hired. And it's a real badge of honor to do that. Oh, for sure. So again, yeah. you were in it to win it. You are bought in. I mean, you grew up in this, you, and now KD for you, when did you come into the picture here with Bo? When did you guys, you guys were dating at this point or you were newlyweds at this point when he takes on the seminary assignment? Actually, um, <clears throat> we, when we very first started dating, I remember you sent me a text, and it said, "I'm I'm going to be a seminary teacher. Are you okay with that?" That's uh, right. I did do that. Yeah, <laughs> you did. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, "Absolutely, I love that." I was all in too. I thought it was. I was. I was so happy. And uh, I think you were going through the program when we met and were dating. And so for you, Katie, this was a sacrifice. Like this was kind of like a pastor and his wife, really. This was a calling on both of you. This was not lucrative. You're not making a lot of money. This is like probably equivalent to teacher salary we're talking. Yeah, yeah, right like around what a, what a high school, a, a newly hired high school teacher yes. would, would make. Yep. So you're not doing it for the money. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, so you're both in it. You're both all in. Like you, you want to do this. This was almost like an extension of your, of your missionary days. Yeah. And now you're getting to be a missionary every day for That's these right. high school students. Okay. So how many years? We're talking three years. And then your fourth year, 2013, I think you said it was. Yeah. The church comes out with some, we've covered in this podcast before. The church comes out with something called Gospel Topics. Yeah. So, so the church releases the Gospel Topics essays. And, you know, as a seminary teacher, I wanted to make sure, one, that I studied those and that I could uh, represent that material to my students. So, so yeah, for, for those listening, so the Gospel Topics essays uh, were a series of essays the church released, the, the Mormon church released, um, by, you know, a lot of church historians, scholars, etc., people from BYU, 
um, who, who essentially wrote, I, I mean, I guess what, what mainstream Christianity would probably call apologetics, right? Uh, to, to sort of explain uh, things in the church's past. And, and growing up Mormon, um, we always were told to avoid anti-Mormon literature, right? Like, people are out to get you, they're out to, to trick you or tell you that things occurred when, they, you know, they're missing the full context. So this, this was an effort by the Church to provide, um, a, shine a light on some of the, the harder-to-talk-about topics, right? So they covered, um, they covered Joseph Smith, they covered polygamy, they covered the translation of the Book of Mormon, they covered the translation of the Pearl of Great Price, they covered Blacks in the Priesthood, there was a series of essays, right? That the church released. Um, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to think how many. I think thirteen, maybe thirteen or fourteen, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. And so I studied every one of them, and in an I, effort to prepare to share it with your students, absolutely, because you yeah. you wanted you wanted them to know it too. You wanted you were dyed in the wool Mormon, and you wanted them to be as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that, I mean, it, one, it was my job, right? But two, I I really wanted to make sure that they were equipped with answers. Um, and and look, for me growing up. Uh, was it was more we were sort of taught to avoid those topics, um, or or at least just, uh, for lack of a better term, sweep it under the rug, forget about it, right? Because uh, uh, you'd get caught up in anti-Mormon literature if you studied them. So this was an opportunity to read church-approved material on what I had always heard about, which, for example, Joseph Smith's polygamy, right? Which I think at the time, if you would ask people, did you know Joe Smith was a polygamist? I think half would have said, no, I don't. I think that was Brigham Young. I think you're getting it confused, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I read these essays, and I read about Joseph Smith's polygamy that he had between 30 and 40 wives, right? That, uh, that his second wife was, um, right, Fanny Alger, who was a 16-year-old live-in servant at the time, and um, someone that Emma, obviously Emma did not approve of. And and then you find out, okay, Emma didn't approve of most of these wives, didn't even know about uh, about 30 of them, right? So you see, and the, and the church is openly talking about it now. And for me as a seminary teacher, it was eye-opening. One, because while I knew some of the history, uh, I had even avoided some of it as a seminary teacher for fear of getting involved in anti-Mormon literature. So mm. reading it from church-approved material was eye-opening, jaw-dropping, absolutely. Mm. And so, so there's the polygamy thing, right? Which I think if it were just the polygamy thing, it would have been, I could, totally could have just said, okay, I'll, that's fine. Like, I can deal with that, right? But then it was, okay, so Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon by through this seer stone, right? Not, um, not necessarily through looking at the plates and reading the uh, ancient Reformed Egyptian hieroglyphs on the plates. He actually looked at a stone in a hat while the plates were either covered or not even in the same room, right? So that that begged the question for me of, well, hang on a second. Like, why why would God preserve, take all the, the effort of Mormon and Moroni to bury these plates and somehow have this young boy find them, right, and then be brought to them every year by this angel only to, to then uncover them? only to have, have them covered and never actually looked at during the translation process. That struck me as odd, right? And then, so I read that, and then that, that okay, that was two things that was like, well, I mean, I think I can, whatever, I think I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. And then it was the translation of the Pearl of Great Price, um, which, uh, you know, the, so 
for again for listeners, um, some some people might know what the Pearl of Great Price is. Some of you might not. So the the Pearl of Great Price is a a book of scripture um, written by, well, Joseph Smith's claim is that it was written by ancient prophets. So it's the book of Mo- Moses, uh, book of Abraham, and this book of Abraham he claimed to have uh, purchased some ancient Egyptian uh, papyrus scrolls, and uh, Joseph Smith said that they were written by the hand of Abraham, um, the ancient prophet Abraham, and uh, that they contained scripture. So he uh, translated those ancient hieroglyphs uh, into English, um, Old English, actually, well, a, a form of Old English, you know, from the, the 1800s were reading in their Bibles. So so he translates this record, um, and then, you know, the, and, and as, as I'm studying these church-approved materials, again, these gospel topics essays find out that, okay, these, um, we, we have fragments of that papyrus still, and when the church sought to uh, validate the translation, it was found that, um, that they weren't valid, that, that it was actually just an uh, ancient burial text. It had nothing to do with Abraham. There was no mention of Abraham. None of the, the characters matched up to any uh, part of the translation of Joseph. And so, so yeah, so, so modern-day apologetics uh, from the Mormon Church in this essay basically say, like, look, he, he could have used this as a way to um, receive inspiration about the book of Abraham, which is, that's fine, but he said it was written by the hand of Abraham, right? So now there's these three, there's three things, right? There's, okay, there's the Pearl of Great Price that doesn't feel like it was translated from the hand of Abraham. There's the Book of Mormon that was this ancient record uh, that he found buried in this hill that an angel led him to, but when it came to translating it, he never actually opened those plates to translate it. Um, he looked in a, in a, in a hat, at a stone, right? Uh, and then there's this whole polygamy thing. And, uh, and the polygamy thing actually, not only does it get admitted to, but there's quite a bit involved there that I'm sure you'll, you've probably done a podcast on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. and you'll probably do more, but, uh, but there's so much involved there, right? With, Joseph being secretive about these wives, with Emma not knowing about them, finally asking for Emma's approval when she disproves, he continues. There's just so much involved there that uh, that's unfortunate. So, when you put all the pieces together, um, and as a seminary teacher at the time, I put all these pieces together and had a, just a major crisis of faith. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a realization of what do I do? Uh, this is my life. Um, this, yeah, is, this is my family. This is my church. This is my community. This is for you. This is my job. Yeah. I mean, listeners right now are probably saying, well, I, I might not work for the church, but all those other things are true for me, family. So are you, Bo, are you at this point bringing this home to KD and saying, read this with me, check this out. What, tell us a little bit before you tell us the rest of the story yeah. here. Tell us a little bit about what are you doing as a husband? Cause at this point you didn't have any kids, I believe. Yeah, we had we we I don't think we did have no we had one yeah we had our we had our first so new baby new baby um, I did not no I did not bring this home to to Katie I I uh, avoided it 
um, because it meant meant so much, right? Like the church meant so much to me. The the belief system meant so much to me. We were married and sealed in the temple, right? Mm-hmm. I had gone through the temple, received my own temple endowment. There was so much involved in uh, in that decision to bring her into it. Um, so I chose not to at the time. Uh, I continued to serve faithful in my callings. I continued to go to church, continued to read my scriptures, continued to pray. But I, in the back of my mind, I, I just kept thinking, I can't keep teaching this. I can't. Um, not in good conscience, conscience, can I keep teaching this? Um, and especially not as a career. <laughs> so, so decided, yeah, d- decided it was time to find a new career. Uh, and um, so I quit. Halfway through the year. Hmm. Yeah. And, and KD, for you, did you, how did you understand that? How did he explain that to you? And were you kind of freaking out at this point? You guys have a new baby at home, and now, you're, now your husband wants to quit his job. There was a lot going on at the time. Um, my postpartum was pretty bad after our first baby. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably a smart thing that he did not bring that home to me because mm. I don't think it, I would have accepted it very well at the time just being postpartum and I I've always known that he could do whatever he chose to do I actually he's he references this sometimes before he left teaching seminary I told him I was like because he came home kind of expressing some you know reservations he never told me about the uh, gospel topics or his crisis of faith, but just other things that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. Um, One of his friends got fired because he got a divorce, and that really was hard for him. And he just kept saying, I think, you know, the money is tight. You have to work. We have a new baby. Things are hard. I'd like to see what I can do outside of this. And I fully supported it 100%. I always said, you could be the best salesman, the best businessman, whatever you cho- choose to do, you can you can do it. And uh, yeah, I fully supported him because I just, especially having a newborn baby and looking to the future, I was, it was it's a little stressful. <laughs> it's a little stressful sometimes to just be like, oh, okay, we're going to, we're going to make this work. We're going to push through this. And I loved that. And I was all for it. And then when he was like, I think I want to, want to see what's out there. I, I was, I was ready. Yeah. And a little side note here, this podcast isn't about this, but God did bless you. You end up going into a career field and did very, very well. So we can really see God's hand of blessing in this. But I think it's interesting, Bo, that you, you're still shielding your wife from this. Cause I, I bet you there are some listeners right now, and we're gonna we're gonna answer this at the end. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for some insight from both of you. What would you say to a couple who's in a position like this? What would you say to a spouse who's ready to go, but the other spouse isn't? So we'll answer that here in just a little bit. But back to your story, then, Bo. So at this point now, you you've had your crisis of faith. Would you say that you pretty much realize this isn't true? Yeah, but you still stayed close. In the church. I, uh, 
it's uh, there's layers to the onion, right? So, yeah. so I would say first time had I ever doubted or questioned, right? Um, but that those doubts, questions never went away. It, mm-hmm. um, and I realized one, I couldn't teach it um, in good conscience, and two, if I couldn't teach it in good conscience, could I believe it mm. in good conscience? And 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 that's when it, yeah, that's when it all started to unravel. When I when I started to notice the the discrepancies between what the Bible taught versus what the Mormon Church teaches, for example, um, which for a, a Mormon listening, that that's going to sound really weird because Mormons believe in the Bible, um, but. Uh, but yeah, so, so essentially over the next several years, uh, I studied God's Word. I studied the Bible more often than I would study um, other materials, whether that's the church magazine called The Enzyme, which is Modern Prophets, right? Um, or, you know, the Doctrine and Covenants or, or, or even the Book of Mormon. And the more I studied God's Word... Uh, closer I felt to God, but definitely the further away uh, I, I was from, you know, traditional Mormonism. So you stayed, both of you stayed in the church. Again, KD isn't probably having quite this crisis of faith. You're still shielding her from this, really, right, Bo? But years, we're talking, what, six, seven, eight years still yeah. that you're going to church faithfully. You're getting callings, which for listeners who don't know what that means is is you you have assignments where you serve in the church, kids or women's or young men's, whatever. And for you, Bo, you were even really in some pretty substantial roles. Well, both of you were, actually. Yeah. KD, you were as well. You're in some pretty substantial roles in your local church, serving in your local church. Yeah, we, we were. I mean, I, I was uh, in several leadership positions in the church, um, leading, you know, leading wards of... Uh, of men that, that, w- that would be like elders quorum president right um yeah katie was gospel doctrine teacher uh so yeah there, there were several you know callings that we served in faithfully even during kind of the the faith crisis and i for for me there were doctrinal things that that popped up regularly um after the initial kind of aha moment reading the gospel topics essays and realizing that all this anti-mormon stuff that had been told to avoid now the church not only was um validating but but trying to spin and um i saw i i, I saw through that um and then uh and, and for katie and, and you can speak to this katie but for, for katie there were i think several cultural things that started to to weigh on her um i think being female in the church is a different experience than being a male in the church um and and, and also just, you know, being a, um, a mom in the church is different than being a, a priesthood holder father in the church, right? Uh, being a, yeah. So, um, so, so there were, I think, during this time, uh, we were both starting to realize that this was not a fit for our family. Um, it took years, though, to your point. Yeah. So what was the tipping point? What, what happened that finally gave both of you the courage to do really kind of the unthinkable for a lot of people, for a lot of parents, for a lot of friends? You know, leaving the Mormon church is a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Because it's not just, 
like a Christian finding other, another church at all. It is, these are, this is your community. These are your friends. This is your family. There's doctrinal implications, right? Some, you know, you, you think that you're, are you going to go to hell now? Are you jeopardizing your eternity? So what, yeah. and we'll get into all this maybe in some other episodes. I don't know if we'll have even time for all that right now, but M- Mormon listeners know exactly what we're talking about, right? Yeah. So what, what, what was it that finally pushed you over the edge? You know, Brian, I, I think um, the short answer is I, I truly believe I think the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but for for yeah, for Katie and I, um, we had finally gotten to a point where uh, where this wasn't this wasn't working. I, I, neither neither of us believed in um, some of the core doctrines that were being taught um, culturally. There, there were some definite challenges. Uh, and, and essentially, it got to the point where I, you know, where I said, "Hey, Katie, you, you should study some of this," because um, she had sub- expressed frustrations. She had said, "Hey, I think we should leave the church," and I would say, "Well, we need to stay for the kids," and then I would say, "We need to leave the church," and then she would say, "We need to stay for the mm-hmm. kids," um, because you know, when you're Mormon, you don't know what else is out there. You don't you don't know about uh, you know. Th- there's this amazing Christian community out there. So, so anyway. Um, it finally got to the point where I said, "Look, Katie, we should," um, and, and and you you said this too. Uh, we we should study. We should study one last time, and find out if we believe that Joseph Smith saw what he said he saw, that he did what he said he did, or not. Um, because ultimately, that's what it what it hinges on, right? Uh, and so we did. We only studied church approved yeah. material, gospel topics, essays. Yes, stuff because like that. Yep. at this time, I was still I. I didn't want to study the quote-unquote um, anti-Mormon literature. I didn't, I didn't want that. I wanted to study, you know, I was still kind of in. Um, I, had a, I had a leadership kind of calling. Uh, my kids, you know, we, we went every Sunday still. We were very active. And, and then, yeah, you, you said, let's, let's study you said specifically rough stone rolling and the gospel topics essays. Yeah. And I was, I was like, yeah, those are church approved. I can get those at Deseret book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I started reading rough stone rolling and I was seeking, um, what Mormons would call a testimony of Joseph Smith. That's what I was seeking. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we both were. And I, and I think what we found was, was the opposite, right? What we found was, um, that that it was an ancient Egyptian papyrus scroll of a of a burial text, mm. and well, un- unfortunately, right? What we found out was that it was not um, was not true, which was devastating. It was, uh, yeah, it was scary. Um, so we got to that point, and when we both realized. What it was, we said, what do we do now? Where do we go? Uh, and so then it was a decision together that we made of, okay, we could either abandon religion in general, because if this isn't the true church, there is no true church, right? That's what you're, always, that's what you're brought up believing mm. in the Mormon church, is this is the one and only true church, there is no other. If this isn't true, nothing's true. 
And I, I, we were tempted to go that way, right? We were tempted to think, yeah, then nothing is. Then, then there's no point to life. And, and if there is, it's just to be a good person and nothing, real, nothing else really, really matters, right? Um, maybe we'll find out when we die. Maybe we won't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, But there was this pull um, to God. I don't know how else to describe it. I, I, um, we both wanted to know Jesus. We both wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. We both wanted to find him. We'd, we'd studied a version of him our whole life. And to find out that that version was, um, you know, maybe tweaked or changed or altered, uh, we just wanted to seek him. And so we decided we would officially leave the church. We asked to be released from our callings. We let them know we would not be coming back to church, that we would be finding Jesus. And, man, that was scary. <laughs> that was scary. There's the whole, you know, it, it, especially living in Utah, there, the, this is a whole community of Mormons, your neighbors, right, your friends, your family. They're all believing Mormons, and to leave the Mormon church means you're leaving covenants that you've made in the temple. You're, you're leaving a belief system, maybe a set of values, right? A friend group for your kids. It's a lot. So, But we made that decision um, and decided we were going to find Christ. We were going to find Jesus uh, and seek a relationship with him. And, I, and so we decided we'd find a Christian church. We would start the hunt for a Christian church. We started looking on YouTube for pastors that compared Christianity to Mormonism. Um, We started watching the Hello Saints uh, YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And eventually decided, yeah, let's go to a Christian church. Let's go see what it's like. Let's go find Jesus. And um, we reached out to that that pastor on YouTube, right? And he recommended this church uh, nearby. He re- recommended three churches, right? And one of them I had heard of. I'd seen church caffeinated billboards, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, decided, you know what? Let's let's go to church on, on Sunday. Let's, let's check this out. So Katie, the kids, myself, we, we pack up. We're wondering what in the world do we wear? Because <laughs> for my entire life, it's been white shirt, tie, suit, coat, right? Mm. Um, dresses only. Dresses, that's <laughs> right. No flip-flops. Uh, and we, we get to this church, um, a non-denominational Christian church, and we walk through the doors and are just, we're, we're instantly greeted um, we're, we're told where to go. Kids go this way. Hey, this, there's kids church. You're going to love it. Da, da, da. Um, and then we walked into worship service for the first time and there's electric guitars <laughs> and drums. <laughs> and, uh, I'll never forget, um, that worship service. It, uh, we studied God's word, studied the Bible, stuck to the Bible. Felt the spirit, and uh, we're surrounded uh, by by believers and a diverse group of unassuming believers. They weren't dressed to impress. They weren't there for any other reason than to 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 worship. And 
and we just knew this was home for us. When I saw the setup, I was like, this is going to be weird. I don't know about this. And then it started, and I thought, I just loved it. I echo that same thing. I just was inspired by the people, by the music, and by the spirit, yeah. Yeah, and my wife and I had the pleasure of meeting you. I think my wife met you that first day, and, and uh, I think I talked to you on the phone that maybe that week or the next early the next week at least. And we've been had the privilege of mentoring, bringing both of you through the pursuit, which you can find at pursuegod.org. People who are, you know, if you're if you're on the fence, if you're listening to this, you say I want to I want to learn more about Christianity. You can find the pursuit online at pursuegod.org. It's a 12 week series, and we've been bringing you through that. You guys have really been. Just every week as we've met with you, it's just been so fun to watch you, just the light bulbs coming on every week. It's so, and we'll, we'll get into this, maybe we'll have to have you on some more podcasts because I think it'll be important for people to hear how you experience the simplicity of biblical Christianity. I think that's one of the things that you guys realize is just how simple biblical Christianity is when you when you strip away some of the other trappings yeah. of Mormonism and we don't have time to get into that, but I do want to ask you this question. Bo, if someone is listening to this and they just heard your story over the last 40 minutes and they're saying, I resonate with that and I want, a, I want, I want a story like that too, what, what would your recommendation be? Right? We started at the beginning. We said, was it worth it? You said it was worth it. But it's a huge, I mean, you're still living the story. This still. is still fresh. This yeah. is still new. What would you recommend to, to someone, a Mormon, who's, who, who recognizes that the Mormon church isn't true Yeah, and they want out? It's, it's a great question, Brian. I think, um, I mean, don't let fear uh, lead, right? I think... Fear is what caused me to uh, to avoid bringing it up for so long to KD, right? Uh, fear is what kept us from probably pursuing the truth and pursuing God earlier. And I think, uh, yeah, for those for those listening, it's it's a scary endeavor to think about you know leaving a family tradition, leaving uh, Mormonism, but what you gain. Uh, is relationship with with God, and and that's worth that's worth anything. Um, so for me, uh, you know, you can't go back and change anything. But for me, that would be my advice to those listening: is pursue God, find find Him, find relationship with Jesus, and uh, and you'll be in a good spot. What would you say to the couple where one person's listening to kind of like you were maybe 10 years ago, Bo, where one spouse is listening to a podcast like this? Maybe you've been listening to all these podcasts or doing your own research and reading the gospel topics, but the other one's not, kind of like your situation. What would you say to that person if they say, I don't think my spouse is ready. I don't think my spouse is ready for this. What recommendation? Because I, I think it was very sweet how you handled it. You really were trying to think about your wife and the bigger picture 
and so it took a little bit longer, what would you say to the person who finds himself or herself in that same place? Yeah, you, man, it's it's a tough one, right? I, maybe, maybe there is no right answer, I think, um, but I, I know you can't go wrong studying the Bible. You, you can't go wrong studying God's Word, and, and if, um, yeah, if someone listening is, is wondering, man, how do we start the conversation? I would just say, study God's Word, focus there, study the Bible, um, and kind of let the Spirit lead from there, because I, I, I truly believe that God is going to lead you and lead your family um, if you're focused on Him and focused on, uh, on His Word that He's given us. Bo and Katie, your guys' story inspires me, and I know it's going to inspire a lot of people who listen to this. So for you listeners out there who can relate, for you listeners who are kind of on the fence, you grew up Mormon, and you just, you just know there's something more, don't abandon Jesus. You don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can, you can leave the Mormon church and pursue Jesus, and we invite you to do that. Keep listening. To the podcast, check out our resources at pursuegod.org and find a good Bible believing church wherever you live.